Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, November 6th, 2022, from John 13 and 14. Like I said, we're going to be in John chapters 13 and straight into 14 a little bit in a few minutes. But first, I want to start with a question, and this is a crowd participation question. So you've already sung, so your vocal cords are already warmed up. So don't be afraid to, to jump in here. Here's what I want to know. And it's okay if it's not the case, but if it is the case, you've got to own it, okay? Um, my question is, has your life ever pushed you to a point where you said to God, what in the world do you think you're doing? <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Where are you, what, what are you taking, what are you doing? And, and, and if your life hasn't pushed you there yet, as I like to say, keep on living. It may be coming. How many of you have gotten to the place where you have just prayed in desperation? What's going to happen to me? Like, thank you. At least I, I heard a little bit on that. When uh, I was with some friends, we were watching the, that, uh, the UT Alabama game a few weeks ago, which was more fun than the one yesterday. And, um, and I was, we were in one room and like I was with Thomas in one room and Maddie and Nora were in a different room and they were watching a different TV and Maddie kept screaming from her room at Thomas, Thomas, what's going to happen? And I didn't know at first if she thought our like feed was ahead of hers and he actually knew, but no, it's just like the, when you're like super invested in a thing, you don't know what's going to happen. There's this automatic, like desperate cry of like, what's going to happen to me? Has your life ever pushed you to the place where you said, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one? I know I've been there. Well, I, I'm like really pumped about this. I'm really excited about this. I feel like the Lord showed me something really sweet this week. When I first looked at the scripture, I was like, I don't know what this, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like I may have to punt and just say, Tom is a handoff. This is your ball. But I feel like the Lord has shown me something really sweet, especially, especially for any of you in this room who answered yes to those questions. If you've ever just felt like you have cried out to God, what are you doing? Or what is going to happen to me? Or I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. I think there's something sweet in here for us. Um, seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says something about himself, describes himself in a specific way. He says, I am, and then gives us a word picture of who he is. At the end of the Gospel, John says, I wrote what I did. I included what I did because I want you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. The Christ, the son of the living God. And by believing, find life in his name. In other words, I want you to give yourself to Jesus. I want you to throw your life into his hands. And if I'm going to throw my life into somebody's hands, then show some ID, please. Like, who are you? Show me some identification. Let's see your passport before you get through this gate. So seven times in this gospel, Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate to abundant life for the sheep. I am the shepherd, but the good one. I am the rising and the life. So we're going to look at the next one today. We're starting at the end of John chapter 13. We're going to go straight into John 14. If you remember a couple weeks ago, and we've talked about this before, when John wrote this, there, he didn't write any chapter or verse numbers. They, the people that he wrote this to didn't consume this like episodes of a TV show in the 90s, you know, one chapter a week or something like that. Our kids don't understand that we, when we watched the show Lost, we had to wait seven days before we found out what happened on the island, you know? 
Um, they, when, when, when people received this letter after John wrote it, they would just binge the whole thing, like the way kids watch shows now. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go straight from John, the end of 13 right into 14, because it's just one conversation that flows. Here we go. This is verse 33 of John 13. This is Jesus speaking. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, <laughs> will you really lay down your life for me? I don't know if that's what his voice sounded like. In my mind, that's what his voice sounded like. Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you, may also, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas asked him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, before, I think there's actually a whole lot of really cool and really profound stuff going on here, but before we dig into any of that, I want to take a second and talk about just what is absolutely plain. Like, what did Jesus mean by this? But it's a weird kind of mysterious mystical phrase. I am the way and the truth and the life. I mean, anybody that grew up in church, you probably heard that your whole life. Maybe you sang a song about it. Um, and, but what, is, what does it mean? What is he saying? Before we dig into any of that, at least he is saying this. Just right off the top, we can say this. When he says, there is no other way to the Father except through me. Here's something that that means. Uh, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way to know God. There is no other system. And if you, like, these people, they follow their religion honestly, according to their, you know, with the, their full heart. And these people are sincere in their faith over here. And they have their system of beliefs. And we have ours. And we can just respect and all of that stuff. And we can respect. And some systems are things that people think and believe. There, there's some beauty there. And there's some culture attached to that and all that stuff. But this much is clear. And we need to say it. You can't get to, the, to heaven or to the Father except through knowing Jesus. It's the only way. And the reason it's the only way is because there is no way to get to God through some system of beliefs. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't matter how culturally cool it is or how, how, how much, if there's music and art and all kinds of lovely things attached to it, it doesn't matter what, they, what kind of change they promise. And the reason is because the human situation and every individual human heart has become too much of a disaster. That's the problem. I don't need something beautiful. I don't need something that has cultural significance or anything like that. I need someone to rescue me from the tire fire of my own heart. That's the thing that I need. That's what's going to have to happen. I mean, I, I can't fix this by myself. I don't need something that's beautiful. By the way, the word religion, it comes from a, it comes from a Latin word, 
which it, it, it comes from the same word where we get the word ligament. It's a word, it's, the Latin word is a word that means to bind together, like the way a ligament, you know, binds your muscles to your bones. I don't know that much about the body. I think that's how ligaments work. But it, it, and then the R-E, the, the re part of religion, is a prefix that means again. Religion is just a word that means to bind together again. So why are you binding it again? Because something was broken. My relationship and fellowship with the God who made me is completely shattered. And by the way, I did it. I need to be bound together, uh, bound together again with him. So whatever the system is, I need something that can do that. I don't need something that's just beautiful. I don't need something that has a lot of cool cultural and, and you know, beautiful things attached to it and music and art and everything like that. I need someone to rescue me. I need to be saved. I need someone to pay for my crimes plainly. I need someone to cleanse the polluted mess of my heart. And if you're anything like me, you might want to chime in there too. And by the way, and I need somebody actually to do more than, I need somebody to invade my heart and mind and actually make me want different stuff and have a different kind of life, live a different kind. I need an invasion. I need somebody to pay. I need somebody to cleanse. I need someone to invade and start to remake me from the ground up. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus was almighty God as a human being. And he came to lay down his life, to pay with his blood for my crimes. Then he rose from the dead. Paul said, justify me, declaring me clean and as righteous as Jesus himself. And then he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit into the hearts and minds of everyone who accepts the free gift that he offers so that we can be remade from the ground up. It's a long process. I'm not very far along in it. I'm just going to be upfront about that. But that's what's happening, and that's what I needed. So when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, we don't really need too much more than this because it definitely means that. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to accept the gift of Jesus if you're going to get to the Father. And that's why. Because the human situation and my personal heart have become too much of a disaster and we need to be rescued. And that's why Jesus came. But, and yes, he meant that when he said this to Thomas and to his guys. But there's more going on here. And there's a specific moment that he's speaking into. And there's a specific emotional temperature that he's speaking into. And I want to dig into that a little bit because I know I've been there where these guys are. Okay, so John 13, what's happening? This was a weird night that got weirder and weirder by the minute where they were celebrating and remembering another super weird night from a long time before. So these guys were celebrating the Passover, which is where they were remembering something that happened 2,000 years before they sat down together, where God freed all of his people who had been enslaved under the pharaohs of Egypt for over 400 years. He told Moses, I want you to tell everybody that we're going to have a weird supper tonight. And then when, when the sun goes down, you're going to take this spotless lamb and you're going to kill it in your house and you're going to roast it and you guys are going to eat the whole thing. Whatever you don't eat, you're going to burn the whole thing up. Listen, when the sun goes down, do not put your PJs on. Leave your coats on, leave your shoes tied. Don't even sit down at the dinner table. You stand up around the table like you're at a low country boil down in New Orleans and we're just going to eat because we're running. We're leaving tonight. This is going to be a weird night. 
It's going to be a night of blood. It's going to be a night of tears for a lot of people. And it's it, strange things are going to happen. And then we're out of here. And by the way, not only are we doing this tonight, but every year for the rest of time, I want you to remember this night by celebrating it every single year. You're going to have, your ancestors are going to have this night. So Jesus and his guys are in Jerusalem. And they're celebrating that weird night with this even weirder night where a lot of strange stuff was going on. By the way, for six months before they got here, Jesus had been telling his guys, we are headed to Jerusalem where I will be betrayed and I'll be arrested and I'm going to be mocked and I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be tortured and then I'm going to be killed. That's where we're going. That's what's going to happen. By the way, I'm going to rise from the dead. And I, I don't know if they were just too upset by all of the precursors, but they never even heard or processed that piece about Jesus being risen from the dead. All they heard was all the stuff that was going to lead up to that. They've been hearing that. Imagine the person you love most in the world who's changed your life utterly is telling you that message for six months. And then all of a sudden you realize we're here. We're in Jerusalem. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, you don't have to stretch your imagination at all to know that these guys were freaked out and afraid. They're in this room together. They're celebrating this strange night that happened with Moses and all of their ancestors. And they're, they're sitting down to dinner and they can't even have dinner because they're fighting about who was the greatest, which is their favorite fight to have. Which, like, if you've ever hung out with dudes, it's really not hard to get into that fight. I always like to just, just ramp up, like, the high school guys I hang out with over, like, breakfast cereal, over anything. Just like, hey, y'all, what do y'all think is better? But, like, they were fighting about that, as always. And Jesus realizes, I've got some important stuff to tell these guys. They're never going to hear it like this. So then, in the middle of this distressing night where everybody's afraid and everybody's already torn up enough, remembering another strange night, Jesus made it really awkward. He stood up in the middle of dinner and took off all his clothes, which is not something that usually happens during dinner. <laughs> he took off all of his clothes and that's going to shut down a fight real fast. <laughs> Whatever I was fighting about, I don't remember. And then he put a towel around his waist like a slave. He grabbed a bowl of water and then started going around one by one, washing these guys' feet. And if you can imagine the, just the feel of the water on your feet, and you look into the face of Jesus, washing your feet, it's, it's an unbelievable moment. It's a tense moment. It's a tender moment. It's an awkward moment. It's, they were probably feeling all of the things. They sit back down to dinner. Jesus tells them, one of you is going to betray me. They're all freaked out again. Is it me? Is it me? They go around the table asking that question. Judas is like, is it me? And Jesus is like, really, you're going to say that out loud? <laughs> Knowing the deal you already made. And Jesus dismisses him from the table. What you're going to do, go ahead and do it. And then John makes a special point to tell us it was night. It was dark. These guys are afraid. It's tense. It's awkward. And in the middle of that, Jesus says, you guys don't have long with me. I've been telling you for six months what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. It's getting close. And Peter is just like, what are you doing? He says, where are you going? But it's that cry of a heart to say like, I'm afraid. What, Jesus, what do you think you're doing? Jesus is like, you, look, you, where I'm going, you can't follow. And he's like, I will. I'm going to. I would die for you. And Jesus is like, dude, first of all, 
you, what I'm going to do for you, you can't do for me. I'm doing this for you. You can't do it for me. By the way, and this is going to sting, you wouldn't really. I know you think you would, but that's because, like the great social philosopher Taylor Swift has recently said, <laughs> I'll stare directly in the sun but never in the mirror. You don't know yourself the way you think you do. Um, you don't inspect yourself the way you ought to probably, but he, not only can't you, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't do what you think you would do. I got to do this alone. And by the way, I'm doing it for you. And it's just, and they are freaked out. And he says, but don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled because look, I already told you, I'm going to the father and I'm going to make a place for you. That's why I'm leaving. And I'm going to come back and get you to take you there with me so we can always be together. You know the way that I'm going. And Thomas is like, how, are, how could we possibly, we don't know where you're going. How could we possibly know the way? They're like, they are afraid. They're freaked out. One of them has left. They know Jesus is about to die. And they're like, what are you doing? What's going to happen to me? How am I going to get through this one? And in the middle of that, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Okay, what does that mean? I think when I was a kid and I would hear this growing up in church and stuff like that, the thing that I would think is like Jesus is saying like, I am the way, like the Jesus-y way. Like it, the way that you need to go is you need to walk in the Jesus-y way and do the Jesus-y things. They, and this was the 90s. They made those little bracelets for us. What would Jesus do? And I think like that's what I've always wondered is, like, is that what he's saying? It's like I need to... Jesus is the only way to go. So I need to do the Jesus-y things and walk on the Jesus-y way and respond in the Jesus-y response and everything. And I got to level with you. If that's what this means, I'm like hosed because if I could do that, I wouldn't need Jesus. I don't know if anybody else feels that way in this space, but if I could just respond like Jesus in every situation and do Jesus-y things and be say Jesus-y words, then I wouldn't have needed Jesus to come for me. That's not going to work for me, y'all. I need to know what he's saying here. Okay, I, I was, I've been thinking about this all week, and I think I found something, and I'm super excited about it. So when he says, I am the way, it's the, it's the same word that, that John the Baptist uses over in Matthew chapter 3 when he says, uh, prepare the way for the Lord. It's, it's that word. It's also the word that, the, that he uses in, that Matthew uses in, back in chapter 2 when he says, that the wise men didn't want to tell Herod where the baby Jesus was, so they returned home by a different route. It, that, it's that word. It's the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and a lot of people are on it. And narrow is the road that leads to life, and very few people find it. There's not a lot of people on that road. It's that road. road it's that word, road. He's saying, I am the route. I am the road. But then even more helpful to me than that was this one over in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus is sending a bunch of people out to, on this mission trip, his disciples and a bunch of other folks. And he says, when you go on this, don't take a bunch of stuff with you, okay? Don't pack a big old bag and have a bunch of provisions. I want you to figure out what it means to go serve and to trust God. So he says, don't pack an extra bag for your journey. It's that same word. Jesus is saying to them, they're like, we don't know what's going to happen to us. We're afraid. What are you doing? What's going to happen? And Jesus says, look, I know you think that the point of everything is your circumstances. 
What's going to happen and what's not going to happen. You think that is the path that you're walking down in your life. But what I'm telling you is that's not the road. That's not the route. That's not the journey. I am your journey. Here's what I think that means. I think the reason that I get so afraid of what's going to happen to me is because I think the point of life is what happens to me or doesn't happen to me. I think that the measure of a life is what I did or didn't do. Anybody else feel that? How do we define our life and how do we measure it? What did I do? What did I not do? What happened to me? What didn't happen to me? The things I pray about the hardest, the things I'm most afraid of, it's because I think that the, the whole point, the whole journey of life is what happens or doesn't happen. What if, what if the whole point of life is someone who says, I made you to know me. The whole point of life is I'm your journey. Everything else is details. Everything else is ingredients. Everything else is raw material. In other words, what happens to you or doesn't happen to you, what you do or don't do, all of that stuff, those are the ingredients with which we are baking something. What are we baking? Me and you are learning to love each other. I'm your journey. Everything else is raw material. Does that make sense? I'm the journey that you're on. I'm the route that you're on. I'm the road that you're on. Everything else is raw material. What if you change that perspective? What if this week, whatever happened, whatever scores you got, whatever number was on the scale, whatever money is in the bank, whatever, whatever situation that happens, that's not the most important thing that happened to you. It's not even the point of your week. It's just raw material that leads you either to his knees or high-fiving him in the corner. Whatever it is, the point, the journey of your week is him. He made you to know him, to love him, to walk with him. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. If he's the journey, then the rest of it is now less important. And it's not even that it's not important. It's just, it's now important because it either drives me to his knees praying or it drives me to high five him and hug him and thank him in gratitude. Does that make sense, y'all? I'm your journey. Then he says, I am the truth. Now this one tripped me up a lot because uh, that's like the most volatile word in our world right now is like, what's true and what's not? Is that a fake account? Is that a real account? Is this fake news? Is it actual news? From whose perspective? I don't even know who to trust. What's truth? What's lies? And this is all, I've always heard this whole thing about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, this truth part about what's truth and lies. But that, that whole thing is about something so much deeper than like words that are true and words that are lies. It's about like truth versus illusion. It's about reality. Like what's the reality of the world and your situation? My favorite place that this word is used when, where Jesus says, I am the truth, is over in Mark chapter 5. Real quick. Um, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus was with this really important guy and a big crowd of people headed to his house to heal this guy's daughter who was sick and dying. And on his way, the crowd is going with, and everybody's going to see Jesus do something super awesome for some, somebody really important. And on the way, this woman who was super unimportant and nobody cared about had been bleeding internally for 12 years, and she fights her way somehow through the crowd and her weakened condition, her sickness, and she just just touches barely the corner of the tassel of his clothes and instantaneously feels strength and health and life. And she's like, it worked. It worked. I'm better. 
And she's like, okay, I'm going to use this renewed strength to get the heck out of here. And so she starts making her way back through the crowd. And then Jesus shuts the whole thing down. He's like, everybody stop. Everybody stop. Everything stops right now. And she's like, oh, no. And he's like, somebody touched me. And she's like, oh, no. And so she's like trying to fight her way through. And everybody's like, hey, he stopped. You can't go. He stopped everybody. So eventually they find her. They bring her to Jesus. And it says the coolest thing in Mark chapter 5 Mark says she told her whole story. Now, the word story right there is this same word where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. She told her whole truth. She told her whole reality. She told everything. This is this is the pro I'm now processing my whole story to this crowd. Uh, incidentally, I think this was a really sweet thing to do because her specific condition meant that she was not really allowed to be a part of the community. Like you couldn't invite her over for coffee and she couldn't go over to your house to watch the game or have anybody over to, you know, to hang out or anything like that because of her condition. And I think one of the things that Jesus was doing and calling her out was not to expose her, to single her out or to embarrass her, but actually to kind of say to this community, hey, everybody, I'm letting you know she's back, baby. Have her over for the game. Go to her house for coffee. It's on. Everybody, bring her back in. Be friends with her. It's a really sweet and tender thing to do. But Mark says she told her whole story. Here's my question. How do you tell your story? How do you process the reality of your situation, what you've been through, and what you're going through now? How do you tell your reality? What if... What if the point of my life is knowing the one who made me, and all the things that happen to me or don't happen to me are raw material leading to a better version of that. And what if the truth of everything I know about him was the way that I told my story? What if the way that I processed everything that I've been through and everything I do, everything that happened or didn't happen to me was through that door, through the door of what I know about him? What's the most basic stuff I know about him? I know that he made me me because he loves me like this. I know that he came here because he died for me to take my place. And I know that he's coming back for me because he wants to be with me. Okay, what if I processed everything that happened to me and everything that didn't happen to me, everything that I've done and everything that I didn't do, what if I processed all of that stuff, if I told my story through those gates... I don't understand why this suffering, why I've been through this suffering. I don't understand why I'm going through this thing. But here's what I do know is that I know that I am loved and I know I'm not being punished because somebody already was for me. And the somebody who was punished for me loves me and I don't understand all of this, but that's how I am processing what has happened to me is the truth of who he is. I am your journey. Everything that happens to you, raw material and ingredients for something I want to build with you. And the way that you tell and process the story of everything that happened, process it through this. I love you. I came for you. I died for you. I'm coming back for you. We're not done. And what if that changed the way that you felt about everything? I'm not talking about a light switch. I'm saying, what if it started to crumble some of the stuff, some of... Some of the stuff I've been through, some of the stuff that, some of the hurt that I have and some of the problems that I'm going through now, what if it changed the way that I looked at the, some of these things? 
I, I know, he's saying to these guys in the middle of this room on this dark night where everybody's freaked out and they're saying, what are you doing? What's going to happen to me? And how am I going to get through this one? I know you're afraid. I know that you're upset. I know that you're worried. I know that you're full of fear and anxiety right now. But I'm telling you, all of this stuff is details to, to get you to me. I am your journey. And I am the way that you tell your story. Process all of this through what you know about me. And he said, and I am the life. If you kept binging the Gospel of John on into like what we have as chapter 17, he's praying and he says to the Father, he says, this is age-abiding life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. What if the realest, fullest version of what life can be is simply knowing him in whatever situation, in whatever circumstance, in whatever thing? What that could mean is, if I sign on to that, am I going to have suffering? Yes. Am I going to have trouble? 100%. Am I going to be confused and angry about a lot of that? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Am I going to know which way is up sometimes? Absolutely not. But in the midst of that, he's saying, but I'm your journey. I am the point of this whole, like me and you and what we're building is the point of this whole thing. And I want you to tell the whole story through the gate of what you know about me. And then we are going to go into more and further life. And it's found in what we are building. It's us knowing each other. And he's saying to them, guys, here's the deal. What's happening is we're going home to the Father. We're going home. We're leaving this place. That's what we're doing together. We're going home. By the way, you're going to love him because he's just like me. You're going to love it there. There is a place with your name above the door, and it's, the bed is turned down, and you are going to love it. And that's what we're doing. We're going home. All of this stuff is ingredients. All of this stuff is raw material. All of this stuff is details. I'm not telling you it doesn't matter, and I'm not telling you it doesn't hurt, and I'm not telling you that we're not going to deal with it, but I'm telling you all of it is for something I want with you because I love you. That's where we're going. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning and for... Um, the time that we've had together, the words that we've sung, I know for me, it is little by little changing my perspective to think about the, um, the stuff that has happened to me and the stuff that's happened to people I love and the stuff that hasn't happened that I've prayed for or the stuff that I want, whether that's the, the job or the money or the scale or the, the grades or whatever with the kids or Whatever the things that we are looking for, that all of those things are, they're not, it's not that they're not important, it's not that they're not real, it's not that they're not good or bad, or that, that it's not that they don't hurt, but that you have ordered them, you have allowed them, you have brought them in, or, they, or our life has brought us to this point, whatever, however we want to process that, because you are looking for something with me. You are my journey, and you are the reality, the way I tell my story. And I'm going to find life in what you're building, what we're building together. I'm super grateful for it. I'm praying that you would help us to trust you and help us to believe it even a little bit this week. We love you and thank you. It's in your name we pray. When I'm broken down, when I am sick at heart.
that I'm pushed around When I'd like to restart Well, I need you, I need you, I need you, Jesus I need you, I need you, I need you, Lord Come and tell me now Tell me now When I come undone When I feel so and far away Well, I need you I need you I need you Jesus I need you I need you I need you Lord Come and tell me now tired and weak and I can't seem to cope when I need some peace when I'm longing for some hope well I need you I need you I need you Jesus I need you I need you I need you I need you, Jesus, I need you.